Welcome to the AR-15 Podcast. This is the podcast about your favorite black rifle. This show is for you. Whether you're building your first AR or you've been building ARs for years, there is something we can all do to take our black rifle to the next level. You make this show possible by clicking through our Brownells and Amazon affiliate links. The next time you order online, go to AR15Podcast.com and click through our Brownells and Amazon affiliate links. It doesn't cost you anything extra, and a small portion of your sale goes to supporting pro-gun radio like the AR15 Podcast. Support the Firearms Network as a whole by pledging your support at patreon.com slash frn. Hey guys, thanks for joining us again. It's episode number 130 of the AR-15 podcast and uh, Anthony's with me tonight. I guess tonight we're going to explore what happens when the wheels come off. So uh, we had a show all lined up and well, life happens. And when life happens, we just have to roll with the punches and deal with the consequences. And uh, that's why you get the pleasure of Anthony and I just kind of, I don't know, covering a who's who list of all the stuff that we're doing these days. You got it. Well, Anthony, uh, before we get started, why don't you tell us uh, what's going on here? Yeah, we've got a, nor- a new source of really cool products we want you guys to check out. Head on over to patriotpatch.co. That's patriotpatch.co to pre-order the Huckleberry Patch and to buy uh, Firearms Radio Network stickers. And maybe, um, I've heard through the grapevine read, I'm not real sure about this. This is, there's a rumor that maybe something might be possibly, I don't know, maybe in the works somewhere in the backwoods of uh, somewhere in the country. I won't even tell you where. There might be an AR-15 patch coming out sometime soon. Hmm. Well, that's news to me. I guess I need to go attend. That's an unconfirmed uh, fact. Yeah. I guess I need to go attend the uh, staff meetings a little more often. Yeah, well, so I'm excited. It'll be good stuff. You know, I've taken a look at the Huckleberry Patch, and uh, I've actually ordered one. Pretty cool. <laughs> it's, it's really good work. I enjoy it. So I went ahead and got yeah. one. I'm going to support the cause. Yeah, I've seen the quality of the patch. I've got a gun guy radio patch. They are high quality stuff. Now I'm telling you. Well, good deal. Well, hey, Anthony, uh, it's been a while since uh, you've been back, but you attended your first three-gun match. Yep. Man, all I can tell you is I'm hooked. That was the most fun I have had in forever. Absolutely forever. Um, I went over to Dothan, Alabama. If anybody knows where that is, I live in southern Alabama. That's about two hours away. Um, they do a three-gun match. I think it's the third or fourth Sunday, I can't remember exactly which, of every month. And as you guys know, I'm still fairly new to shooting, what, two and a half years, give or take. And I've never done any sort of competition shooting before of any kind. And I've wanted to get into three-gun. You guys have heard me talk about three-gun for a long time. And I thought, oh, this is my chance, this is my chance. And I thought that back in November. And then I thought it in December. And I thought it in January. And you know how things go. So life finally got out of the way last month. And I thought, okay, I'm ready to go. Um, I've read all this stuff online about what to carry to three gun, how to get ready for three gun, how to practice. And I bought a Stoger M3K. Oh, not 3K, sorry, that's the new one, the M3000. And I got uh, 
what's the tube, the expansion magazine tube for that thing, Reed? Do you remember? Oh, no. The standard ones everybody gets. I can't remember what the brand it is now. That's off the top of my head, but got my um, magazine for that thing. I can do 11 plus one on it, which is really nice. And I've got my standard Glock 17 stock. Nothing's changed on it whatsoever, Gen 4. And my Bushmaster AR, which you guys have, if you listen to the show, you've heard all the different modifications that I've made to that gun uh, over the last couple of years. So I load all that stuff up and I'm thinking, okay, what else do we need to carry? And I've read, you know, you need to carry this, you need to carry that, blah, 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 blah. And I go, okay. Last minute pick, and this was the best thing I did, period. I'm telling you guys, if you go to 3-Gun, grab yourself some sort of a stroller. You don't have to need, you don't need a 3-Gun stroller. Don't, you don't need one at all. Mine is a dog stroller. A dog stroller? Big, it's a dog stroller. Wait a minute, a yeah. dog stroller? They make those? Hey! Yes, they make those. Thank you very much. Do you have a dog See, that has no legs? I have a little four-pound Yorkshire Terrier that can't walk three miles without like getting winded and over-exercised. Yeah, because his legs are this long, man. How many steps is that? So, yeah, I have a dog stroller. Um, and, yes, it's an actual dog stroller. If you look in the bottom of it, it's got the little thing, hook on their collar or their harness or whatever to keep well, them from jumping out and stuff. You know, I think before we go any further... I just want to let you know that perhaps you won't get your man card yanked because you put a rifle in your dog stroller. That's I think, right. I think that might. A rifle? And a shotgun. Shotgun? Yep. That might, in fact, my, my save my you from having your man card yanked. But I wouldn't push it. That's right. Uh, see, when I got there, everybody else has strollers, except for the other new guys. Um. So it was, it was really good. We'll go into it in just a second. I'm, I'm telling a story, Reed. I'm telling a story. I know. So, but, you know, I just had to voice the thing that our listeners are each saying to themselves. Yep. What? They make those? Yep. They do. They do. And it's, it's cool, man. It's really cool. They've got the big pneumatic wheels on them. You know, it's, they're not little plastic wheels on them. They've got a suspension on it so that your stuff doesn't fall out. Everything. It was really cool. But the dog so, stroller? Yeah. The dog stroller. <laughs> All right. So I drive over to Dothan. Of course, you know, it's a gun range, so it's kind of out in the middle of nowhere, right? I'm driving through this field, and I find it, and I pull up there. And I get there a few minutes early because that's the way I roll. And there's, I'm like, where is everybody? What do I do? I don't know exactly where to go, what's going to go on. And I get out of the truck, and I walk up, and there's a little table set up. It was really simple, nothing to it whatsoever. Paid my fee, which, by the way, the Dothan Gun Club over there with Dan – 25 bucks to enter three gun. Now, there's, this is a local club match. This is not three gun nation or anything like that. There's no prize table or anything when you're done. This is just get in there and have some fun. So 25 bucks. Hey, sure. You bet. Mm-hmm. I paid $50 to be honest. I hope Dan's not listening. <laughs> <laughs> so pay my 25 bucks and I stand around and, uh, next thing I know, there's a, a guy standing next to me said, I haven't seen you before. Are, are you new here? Like, yeah, he said, I'm new here too. Said, How did you not see me here before? Anyway. Um, it just as soon as I got there, people were talking to me and uh, it was a really great group to shoot with. Um, I think there were about 12 of us, give or take. And I have not had more fun in my life than that. And helpful, like you would not believe. Um, I have, do not have a shotgun caddy for any shells or anything like that. I was, I, I've got, uh, one of those things from Walmart you put over the stocks. You can stick five or six rounds in and that was, that was all. And I figured, well, hopefully there's nothing with more than 20 rounds. The very first stage, 
as uh, the when you go to three gun, you, you pay your fee, and then they give you the safety briefing, and then they give you for every different stage you're going through, the range officer gives you a stage briefing. As he was giving me a stage briefing, he says, and this one is I forget now exactly. It was like twenty five shotgun targets. Oh crap! All right, start shoving them in my pocket, and, and while I was doing that, one of the other shooters looked at me. He said, "What are you doing?" He said, "I, I don't have a shotgun caddy, and there's twenty some odd." Um, targets on the stage and I know that um, I'm going to miss. <laughs> that suck. So I'm going to need some extra ammo on top of that. He said, oh, hang on. And he, I, This is what you always read about and it's true, 100% true. He said, hang on just a second. And he walked over, picked up his an extra shotgun caddy out of his, his, his cart and everybody had them. There were like seven or eight carts sitting all around there. And he picked up a shotgun caddy, walked over, he didn't borrow that. Like, okay, great. And I was sitting there and people were watching me stick my Glock magazines down in my pockets. And, uh, one of the other new guys, it was an officer, a uh, police officer said, um, do you need a mag holster for that? Oh, I don't want to impose on you. Said, no, no, hang on. I'll go get one. So he went and grabbed a mag. It's like exactly the way people were talking. It was just so awesome, man. Uh, the quality of people there is just absolutely amazing. I'm sure it's the same at all the events. It was such a blast. And. I break out the camera. That's what the pictures you guys saw. And it goes even further. I break out the camera and I get ready to start taking pictures. And I am, I've got a really nice camera, but I don't, and I've read all kinds of stuff about photography, but my practical experience is zero, basically. Um, other than, you know, I don't know what I'm doing, taking pictures of stuff kind of thing. Put it on auto, click, click, click. And as I went to go take the first couple of pictures, one of the guys, one of the other shooters was standing next to me. He said, Oh, that's a nice camera. And he said, Can I see it? And he looked at it and he said, You've got it on auto. Yeah. He said, um, can I give you some advice? Sure, man. He said, okay, I used to take pictures at matches. I'm like, oh, just, I mean, this is a blessing. It's amazing. I used to take pictures at matches. Here's what you do. And, and he shows me all the settings. And of course, I screw them up and don't get them right till we're on the fifth um, bay, the fifth stage after that. But he showed me the settings, and that's stuck in my head now, and I remember how to do all that stuff. And uh, that was just, I mean, great information. So they're helpful not only just with uh, with your guns. They're helpful in all aspects. It was really awesome. My very first stage was um, a major adventure. Yeah. They told me the rules, and I've always heard people talk about this. Uh, everything goes out out of your brain when that buzzer goes off, man. It's all mental. It's, it's just such a blast. You forget everything, everything that you're doing. It's, when I finished that first stage and I'd almost stepped over bounds, and, you know, as, as I would walk towards something, people were watching me, and, and I didn't know this, but. You know, after I'd watch it with some of the other new guys, I realized that's what they were doing with me too. Like, oh, he's gonna, he's gonna. And then as soon as I started to get close enough where I, they knew I was probably gonna make a mistake, like step completely out there, went, whoa, whoa, whoa! You know? And I turn around and stop looking at him and go, what? Don't cross the thing. And I'm like, that's like 10 seconds. They went, it doesn't matter. You were DQ'd. <laughs> okay. So, you know, they, they, they prevented me from making any serious errors. Um, uh, just constant, you know, help and, 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 Wonderful people just giving me great, uh, great advice all the way through. And so, you know, I, I didn't finish high in the ranks. I won't talk about my actual placement. Um, well, you guys can it, see it on practice it wasn't store if you look bottom, up the match last month. Well, I'm not going to worry about that. No, but it was but not no, it the bottom. bottom. It was not the bottom. You did not come in we dead had last. Newbies. I did not come in dead last. So, so um, no, I'm not going to worry about the, the ranking. First time competitors, you were not worse than they were. No, I was not. So there you go. What? All good things. That's right. It was. And as we went on shoot at different stages, um, it was amazing how you realize I thought I knew how to use my equipment because I went out to a range 
and I set up my own little three gun stuff. Like we've got a range that I'm allowed to do that kind of thing in. And, you know, I'll set my rifle down and I'll start my own buzzer and I'll pick it up and I'll go around and I'll shoot. And it's just not, I mean, it doesn't even compare to the actual competitive experience. Your, your adrenaline is really rushing so high. And, you know, it's like there's a, with my AR, you know, this one stage started with the AR, I think if I remember right. And the targets are about 25, 30 feet. And I've got a, a Vortex Spark 2 and the Vortex magnifier sitting behind it. Magnifier's down on the rifle. And I picked that rifle up and I, I can't see find the target. Can't because the target's so close and it's a little eight inch plate, you know. And I can't find the stupid target because the magnifier's there. And when I finished the round, one of the guys was like, why don't you just, is it hard to pull your magnifier off or something? Oh yeah, I can do that. I'd forgotten. So I'm, it was just constantly like that through the entire match. I got better as time went on. You know, I started to settle in and I was, had a great compliment paid to me. When after my first round, uh, one of the guys came up to me, uh, an older gentleman. I loved all the guys there, but this guy especially was really wonderful. He was there with his wife and she was shooting too. And by the way, she outshot everybody except for the, uh, range owner who designed most of the stages. So, uh, he came up to me and he said, um, don't worry. Give yourself about, you know, 10, 12 matches. You'll be good. You'll, you'll settle in. And after I shot my final stage, he, uh, he said, Oh, don't worry. You'll be good. Give yourself five or six matches. And I said, you said 10 or 12 at first. He said, yeah, you've gotten a lot better. Like, wow. Seriously. You know, but I was really shocked at you guys have heard me talk about how I, how I suck. Right. Uh, and we joked about how I can't hit the broad side of a barn and, and all that kind of stuff. And we talked about my trip up to see Iraq vet and, you know, me pinging the steel at 300 yards for the first time and going, Oh my gosh, this is amazing. Um, but even then, you know, that was from bench rest. And I thought there's no way I'm going to do this any other way. And I was, when I got to the final stage, there was a 220 yard or so set of targets, 16 targets there out between 200, 300 yards. I think I, I don't remember exactly. And you have to run a couple hundred feet to get to your spot. So I'm running full tilt with my rifle in hand to get to that spot to be able to shoot. And these targets are out there at 220 yards or so. I plop the rifle down on a rock, standing up behind it. And I think, I don't know because I haven't seen the video, but I think I missed four or five shots out of 16 um, at that distance. And shocked the mess out of me. I mean, seriously. Because um, I don't know, don't know exactly how big the targets were, but they weren't, you know, huge like three-foot gongs that I was shooting when I was with the rack vet up there in Atlanta. These were little, tar smaller targets, probably eight or 12 inches. And I was hitting the mess out of them. And when I, first time I pulled the trigger and I heard ding, there was about a three to five second delay. Did I really hear that? And I just stopped because I froze for a second. And then I continued to shoot. So, yeah, it was, man. And when I pulled out my pistol during that first stage and I hit the targets and I didn't miss any, I don't think I did anyway. But I did a heck of a lot better. I may have missed one or two. And what? I hit targets, you know? And, and again, it was this shock of what I'm actually performing better than I thought I was going to perform. Again, you know, it was not great performance, but heck of a lot better than I thought I was going to do. Uh, it was, it was a total blast. I won't talk about my major faux pas with shotgun reloading. You know, <laughs> well, <laughs> you guys well, want to find me somewhere, we can do that. But let me, let me ask some uh, questions, Anthony. Yeah. So how long did it take you to kind of feel like you'd settled in? Like, You'd gotten there, you'd kind of gotten over the, okay, I'm the newbie, I've never seen any of you before. I mean, when did you feel comfortable? I felt comfortable with all the people after the first stage. After I saw other people shoot, I realized that, you know, these are not like guys that are going to shoot and make fun of me. Um, 
They're not going to uh, cause problems. They're going to help. They're going to give me all this wonderful, helpful advice. I mean, after that first stage, everybody was just, you know, so helpful. I wouldn't, everybody didn't come and focus on me. Don't get that kind of a thing. It wasn't like that at all. But, you know, I would fi- finish the stage and I walk back and the guy would walk up and go, Hey, you know, if you do this, that, or the other thing. And they, they weren't being overly critical at all. It was really super helpful advice. So that's a first stage read, um, is really when I got with the people, the shooting, um, Probably after the second stage, I started to feel like I was settling in a little bit. I still made a large number of mental errors after that. You know, there's one of the stages called Walk Through the Woods, and uh, the pistols, the pistol targets were out of 50 feet. And I I, I got through that, and then I picked up the shotgun to go down walking through the woods and shoot clays on the other side, which is just unbelievable fun shooting while moving. It's awesome. I picked up the shotgun, I started walking, they went, whoa, this is the last stage of the day. It's like, dude. You just passed one. That's like two steps. Only taking two steps. I mean, there's a target immediately when you pick up your 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 shotgun, right. and I'd already forgotten where the targets were. You know, so I mean, it was just fraught with mental errors, not remembering the field, not remembering how everything's go, how everything goes. Now I understand why you see people walking the stage. You know, you see them right. and they're and they're memorizing things, and and I figured that out after the second. Well, but um, that that sounds like it's mostly experiential. Yeah, it is. That's like you said. You know, you get through a few. Matches like that, and you'll kind of settle in. There's one this Sunday, um, and if I have enough ammo, I'm going. So tell me, um, as a as a weekend fun thing to do, I mean, do you rate this up there as something that really kind of you know fulfills that excitement, that uh, gives yeah. you a, a real kind of uh, a full day experience. I mean, was it was it a, an overall experience, or was it kind of anticlimactic? I mean, oh no, it was it was so amazing, man. Um, when we uh, started the day again, you know, you you kind of get to know the personalities of everybody really quickly because everybody's talking, everybody's joking the whole time, and there's a a point along in there where one of the guys, other than Dan, Dan's the range owner again, other than Dan, and I cannot remember his name, designed a couple of the stages. And you know how it gets when people get together and they're all good nature and we can all pick on each other. It's, they were, do you mean this is two bays and I'm going to shoot my pistol while I'm walking backwards, passing targets and I can't break 180 degrees and they're on both sides of me. And then I'm going to dump my pistol and I have to run 200 feet to the next bay. My shotgun sitting there unloaded. Are you serious? You know, I mean, it was, it was just amazing. We picked on each other so hard. Um, it, it was, it was so much fun. Uh, and as far as an overall experience kind of thing, yeah, man. Um, cause it, we got there, I got there at eight o'clock in the morning. I didn't leave till four, I think four o'clock in the afternoon. It was so all that day. That sounds like a very full day. Yes. Very full day. It's only five stages and only 12 yeah. people. Well, did you, uh, did you find it kind of, uh, helpful, um, of, of some benefit to watch the others go through the stages? Yes. And thank goodness I was never first, never first. Um, and uh, <laughs> we got to, to RO. Everybody took turns doing range officer. And, you know, most everybody there is much more experienced than I am. And so they're, they're very familiar with everything. And, you know, I, I didn't know that I was going to, that they were going to ask me to. And they said, you don't have to if you don't want to. I was like, no, I'd like to. I'd like to have that experience as well. So, you know, like you said, experience wise, you know, they're giving you the opportunity to do things that, you know, you might not get the opportunity to do otherwise. And they had seen me handle my weapons and they didn't ask me to do that on the first stage or anything. It was well into the day. I think it was stage four. So they, they had seen me work with my weapons enough. They knew that I was cognizant of safety 
um, et cetera, so that I would, that I would be okay. And so they walked me through, uh, you know, all the different commands, which I, I pretty much knew already. But when you realize you're the one that's going to have to say them out loud, oh, what do I say again? So, you know, I wasn't really familiar with that. Walked through that and they asked me to RO and I said, I don't, they had a discussion about who I should RO. I said, well, let him RO Dan. Dan's again is a range owner. And if you see his shotgun on there, his shotgun has a magazine that's about a foot and a half long sticking out of the bottom of it. It's got a big buttstock on it, um, a collapsible buttstock and a big, uh, some sort of a handguard on it that goes all the way out to the end of the, uh, the barrel and a nice, um, grip on that thing. And it's, it's a, a bright blue, metallic blue shotgun. I mean, it's his baby, obviously. In some of the pictures, you can see him stroking it with the magazine. It's, it's hilarious. And this was a stage where you start off with pistol and, and move to shotgun. And this was the, it was the run backwards stage. And Dan is such a hoot. He's such a character. As he said, well, yeah, you can RO me. You know, I, I'm probably not going to just screw up too much on safety. If there's a squib, I know I'm going to recognize it. I'm probably the best person for you to RO because I'm probably the person here with the most experience. So they let me RO Dan and he is running backwards. And so I have to run backwards <laughs> with him, you know, and, and pay attention to what he's doing, pay attention to what I'm doing. Um, and then run behind him at full tilt all the way back over to, to the next bay. And that was, that was one heck of an experience, um, to, to just to be able to RO, you really kind of get a quick insight as to what it would, would be like to RO some of these bigger matches with some of these guys that are really speed shooters. Uh, it would be insane. Absolutely insane. Well, I tell you what, next time you, uh, undertake another match, you're going to have to come back and give us a, uh, another glimpse on how your journey to three gun is, uh, progressing and, uh, uh, let us know, uh, whether you're getting any better. At some point, yeah. you're going to have to reveal how you're placing. All right. I, I, 10 out of 12. So that's not bad. No, no, it's no. It's not bad. It's not the worst. My, no. When you consider, you know, that I had some failure to engage, which I don't even know what that was. Mm-hmm. Uh, if, you, if you don't fire at a target, it's a greater penalty than if you fire at it and miss. So I had failure to, I had a failure to engage on the first stage. Um, I had a part in that one stage with the shotgun that was unloaded. Uh, I had shells in my pocket. Uh, shells on the carrier. It was, it was like 26 or some odd. And I'd forgotten that there were all, that what I was supposed to do was load off the carrier because I was actually doing dual loading and I actually could somewhat do it halfway. So I was dual loading and then I went to reach to the shotgun on, um, on the hilt. I forgot on the stock. I forgot I actually had shells on the stock. So I started reaching in my pocket for my extra ones and I ran out and then I started to put the shotgun down. So I lost all kinds of seconds there. And then I put it down, I turned it sideways and I saw, Oh, shells. Put them back in and fire the last two or three targets that were there. So I mean, there there are just constant things throughout the whole day that I was that I was messing up on, just little mental things that were were really killing my time. Um, I, when I fired my, I'd fired one slug out of my shotgun before. I fired two slugs in quick succession out of my shotgun. I say quick; they were about a second and a half between fi- between shots. And yeah, that hurts. It's <laughs> like <laughs> so, whoa! I knew it was going to kick more, but man, yeah, yeah. Well, let us know the next time you have one. Yeah, you bet. We'll definitely come back and touch on it again. Well, so um, I think I mentioned a while back that a Lone Wolf distributor uh, sent out an upper receiver for me to test on one of mm-hmm. their uh, lower receivers. I think it's the G9. Mm-hmm. And I'm telling you, uh, they, uh, they've been getting a little more progressive in the calibers they're going to make uh, uh, offerings in. And so they... Uh, Strayed from the kind of pretty standard nine millimeter and, uh, uh, chambered one of them in 40 
work out the kinks, and then chambered another in 357 SIG. That's the one they sent me, since that's a... I have a particular fondness for the caliber. And then uh, they're uh, yes, working up a 45 gap. And uh, they're getting ready to come out um, with their upper receivers and uh, bring them to market. They're, uh, they pretty much worked out the kinks, and I'm telling you. It was just a blast to get trigger time on that thing. I I think I'd probably end up putting over 2,000 rounds through the rifle at this point. 2,000? Oh, serious, man. Well, yeah, they That's wanted awesome. me to tell them if it was going to explode. They just don't think they wanted to have it be one of their employees that it might, when it didn't, they did a fine job, but it was an awesome experience. And, you know, I tell you what, uh, you know, it was just kind of neat to have that moment where I'm giving myself the green light to blow through 2,000 rounds. You know, it's been a, a while since uh, that was that's something. Was, that, yeah, uh, that's that's a lot of rounds. So, uh, this is this is one of my one of my kind of typical kind of you know questions that I ask. You know, you're you're sticking a Glock, and I guess that's what this is, right? You're sticking an actual Glock in this lower receiver. Is oh no, right? no, no! Because it's Glock compatible. What does that mean? Glock magazine compatible. Magazine compatible. Aha! It's a standard AR in terms of fire control, um, in terms of. Uh, how your stock mounts, how it mounts to the upper. I mean, it is basically a standard AR. The only difference is the magwell is not machined out to the dimensions you'd find on a standard AR lower. It's machined out to the dimensions of a Glock magazine. It has a different ejection system because it has a different um, bolt carrier um, it's not so much a locking bolt system, it's a direct blowback. So there are some engineering differences there, but it's a standard AR. I got gotcha. so, so you. can take that 33-round magazine pop that thing in there. Well, except for they don't make any 33-rounders for 357 SIG. Well, yeah. Those are just 9mm. I, I, think I, I think the best they can do is a 22 on the 40 and the 357 SIG, and I I've never you. looked at what the 45 gap, uh, is able to do. But, you know, it was a lot of fun. And, you know, I tell you what, I mean, I don't think I would give myself a green light to go out and blast through 2,000 rounds of, you know, 5.56, but to just have that, you know, okay, I like the deal, I'm going to go out, I'm going to do this work for you, and I'm going to do that. That was just kind of neat. Um, gave myself permission cool. to do that and came away with it, uh, with a really awesome experience. And I'm telling you, I would recommend going out and taking a look at Lone Wolf's lower receiver and, and some of their new upper receiver offerings. Because honestly, I mean, I don't think you can beat it. You know, frankly, from my perspective, as common as Glocks are, why wouldn't you want a lower receiver designed for Glock magazines? Yeah, I mean, Sure, they're not uh, like having a Uzi magazine or the Colt. Uh, I think the Colt uh, magazines are proprietary. It's been a while since I've looked at those. But, you know, I don't think you can find them at every single firearm store that you go to. I mean, hell, I, I, don't, I don't know if there are any places I go that I can't find a Glock magazine, even if it's a 15-rounder or a 14 or whatever that is. You know, fine, big deal. But I can still find a magazine virtually everywhere. 
So, yep. I mean, I think that's a, that's a great starting point. But, um, yeah, so I completed my, uh, my test on it. I've, uh, given the results back to the guys up there at Lone Wolf and, you know, really, I want to thank those guys for thinking of me when, uh, they had an opportunity to put one of these rifles through the test, uh, through the ringer. And, um, I'm real excited to see it come out. I, I'm really kind of excited to see people get excited about a 357 SIG upper and, uh, put some money into them. Very cool. Maybe Hornady so, will come back with a flat point projectiles that they discontinued. Oh. So what is the uh, recoil like on one of those things, Reed, on 357 Magnum? Not Magnum. The 357 oh, SIG and the 357, 357 Magnum SIG. are very different. The Magnum is a classic revolver uh, projectile, whereas the uh, 357 SIG is uh, it's a rimless cartridge and it's a bottleneck cartridge. It's basically a neck down 40, which is kind of a crude way of describing it. But it's a great round. So, um, you know, it's a direct blowback. Um, you're not, you're not bleeding off the gas the way you would in a regular DI AR. Um, okay. your bolt locks up in one of those. And the greatest component of force being directed back against the face of that bolt is released when the projectile clears. So, um, as the projectile is clearing the barrel, you're directing gases into the uh, gas port, down the gas tube, you know, into the gas key, and it's going to be directed down into the guts of the bolt to begin the process of disengaging the bolt face from the barrel extension. And all of that's happening in a very small amount of time, but so much of that force goes out the end of the barrel rather than into you. And, you know, I am of the opinion that an AR just really does not kick all that much, but that's because, you know, I like Magnum bolt guns and they kick. But when you have the direct blowback, it's an immediate, you know, direction of force against the face of that bolt or the the bolt carrier. It's really modified, so I'm not sure what the proper nomenclature would be. But against the face of that bolt carrier, and it's traveling back towards your shoulder almost immediately with virtually um, a full component of, you know, force, you know, to every reaction there's an equal and opposite reaction. It's coming right. back at your shoulder right then and there. And, you know, they had to beef up the spring. The, I'm sure. The bolt itself is a great deal heavier than your standard AR bolt. Hmm. And then... um you know, they're using a pretty heavy buffer. And so all of those things combined, um, reduced the, the impact of that recoil, but it is very much something you notice the very first time you touch off one of those rounds. And, uh, you know, uh, I'm, I'm going to be putting a heavier buffer in it. Um, it's, uh, the, Heaviest of the buffers that PWS uh, has. I have it here on my desk, so I'm going to see about getting this out there. I mean, I think really I could wrap this up in a sock and it'd be like buying a, you know, lead <laughs> sap or something. But it's an H4 buffer and we'll just see how it's going to go, how it's going to work. But, um, 
you know, I think overall the performance of the 357 SIG is just pretty stellar. Um, I shot it out to 100 yards, and it is an incredibly flat shooting uh, cartridge. Now, I, I haven't really done any, you know, thought work into, you know, what's that projectile looking like at 100 yards? Would I want to shoot an animal at 100 yards? Is it too far? Have I bled off too much of the force and all that? Um, right. So I'm not going to even begin to opine there, and I'm sure that everybody has their own set of opinions, but as far as accuracy and straight shooting, that rifle, that has it. So I was very pleased, very impressed. Cool. Sounds like it was a lot of fun, man. Well, I got, um, you guys know, I bought a couple of optics. Uh, it was last year, again, when I was beefing up for my, my three-gun gear. Uh, and I had a really inexpensive red dot, like a Walmart red dot, $30, that I had on my AR. And I now blame that for my in in, in a, inability to hit anything. <laughs> uh, at least that's that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. So... When I, when I went out, I looked, you know, when you guys are talking optics, we're not going to get into all the details. We've got a whole show on optics, and we can actually do multiple shows on optics without even uh, thinking about that twice. I went out and grabbed the Vortex Spark 2. Um, won't talk all about the reasons that I picked that, but that was the one I ended up picking. It, it matched my needs with a really good price point as well, so it, it was really good for me. So I went out and grabbed the Vortex Spark 2 last year. Uh, late last year, and I grabbed the Vortex VMX 3T magnifier. And that comes with uh, the capability to be able to grab that joker and pull it off. I forget exactly what it's called there. But it, uh, you can move that off of the optics so you can see through just your red dot, or you can pop it back down uh, and be able to uh, see the magnified red dot that's coming coming through. And it has been a system that, again, uh, when I went and got it, I thought, well, this is going to be great. I got it right before Thanksgiving. I put it on the rifle. The first time I, I, I zeroed it in was like two days before Thanksgiving and or so, and then I was on my way to Atlanta, and that's when I got to use it when I was up there with uh, with the Iraq vet guys up there. And I've had it since, and I've had, you know, had to work on it a little bit. Uh, some of my screws weren't tight enough. I didn't put any Loctite on them. I didn't tighten them down properly. So, you know, when you're doing your installs on optics, obviously everybody knows that except for me, and now I know it. Make sure your screws are, are, are good and tight. Um, Maybe even put a little bit of Loctite on there and make sure they're going to stay um, stay good. Uh, when I picked this red dot, um, one of the things that I really liked about it was the small dot itself. I think it's I think it's two MOA. I don't remember, and I, I should have already looked that up. But I think it's a two MOA dot on it, which is really really nice. So it's very uh, very easy to see targets at a distance. Even the um, especially compared to the cheap thirty dot site, which was like an eight MOA or something. The dot is extremely bright, extremely clear and crisp. It only does one color red, which is fine. I haven't had any problems seeing it on a target because of how bright it is. Of course, you have adjustable brightness. Um, I really had some problems because I put this on my 22 for a little while, my uh, Smith & Wesson M&P 15-22, and had some problems at first trying to figure out where I needed to go. So just a piece of advice to anybody, if you guys are new and you're trying to figure out your optics and, and how to mount those, what, uh, when I finally got down to it, and I talked to JW and Reed, and I talked to some other guys, and the advice that everybody gave me was um, mount your magnifier first because that's where your eye relief comes in. Um, so I sat down, got my proper cheek weld on the rifle, and then looked at looked through my magnifier and mounted my magnifier based on that. 
Uh, Reed says it is two MOA. Thank you, Reed. I thought so. So I, I used my, uh, use that, my proper cheek weld and, and that way I'm using the same cheek weld every time on the rifle and I'm out of my uh, magnifier based on that and then I just put the red dot in front. So it has worked extraordinarily well. Like I talked about earlier when I was shooting three gun, I was hitting targets by just putting the dot on the target. I wasn't even doing a hold. I've got a 300 yard zero on it. So, you know, 220 to 300 yards on an 8 to 12 inch target. What was it, Reed, you were talking, telling me about? It's not going to move that much that distance off of where the, the yeah, actual point is, the point of aim is. Height of the parabola is only nine inches on a 300 yards, uh, zero. Yep. So that, that explains why, you know, if they'd have been at 150 yards, I might have had to do a, a little bit of a hold, perhaps, or 100 yards or something. But 150 yards, I literally just put the dot, I mean, 220 out, I put the dot on the target, pulled the trigger. And as long as I was doing my job, uh, proper breathing technique, trigger technique, it was a hit pretty much every time, even when I, when I just run, you know, 200 feet at full board to, to get down to that rock. Um, so the installation, uh, getting everything together like that was really simple. One thing, and again, these are products that I purchased, so I, I can talk freely about this. But one thing I, I didn't like about the Vortex Spark 2 is the only complaint that I've seen every single person have, and that's the lens covers. Um, they come off really easily. Uh, and they don't open up very easily. They're, they're, it's a very positive open and close, but it's somewhat difficult to open and close them. And that I could deal with no problem whatsoever if they would stay on. I thought, maybe I should glue these things on. I know that would probably be a bad idea. You think? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. But it was, it was awesome, man. Um, those two guys perform really well together. And when I got it set up properly, I actually did use the magnifier off and on a couple of times in some of those later stages during three gun after I goofed and didn't do it properly the first time. And it is very easy to use. Uh, so there's a thumb button, and you pull it to the left, and it pops over, and you can see through your red dot without magnification, and you can just literally just push it back towards the right, and it, it immediately becomes magnified. And I love it. Um, I'm a huge fan of Vortex products now at this point because I've put several hundred rounds through downrange with that, and it still holds a perfect zero. So very happy. Good. I, w- I want more Vortex. <laughs> well, uh, I do. I think they have a new optic coming onto the market. It's a one to yep. six. Is it a one yep. to six power? It's a one to six power. Yes, it is. And I got a chance to play with that at the NRA show. We talked, I think I talked about that in my NRA review. So, uh, go back and take a look at, uh, let's see. Let me look it up here real quick. I don't know which episode that is. That is the NRA review. Well, I can't find it right now. Well, that's um, right. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I think that. 121. There is a, a holy grail of optics that meet the immediacy of your need, that meet the requirements of your pocketbook, that meet the, you know, specifications for durability or abuse or ruggedness. And I think that all of those things have been slowly um, trending towards that side of all those points that we want. We want it to be durable. We want it to be inexpensive. And we want it to be really, really good at its job. Yep. I mean, I don't think that we're perfectly there because when some of the really good options, and I mean really Straightforward options are still six hundred, seven hundred bucks. That's a lot. That's a lot. It I, really is. I, I don't care what the 
the rule of thumb is, is you know, what the scope should be as much or more than your right. I, I don't buy that. <laughs> but, you right. know, it's, it's hard not to have to live with that because that's where the prices are. But they're coming down and Vortex is one of those companies that's just saying, Hey, look, we can deliver good stuff without breaking your bank. I like yeah, that. that the Strike Eagle, um, I'm looking at it now and I found a website here that's got it for three thirty and free shipping. So it's definitely uh down closer into that affordable range. Um the one everybody compares it to the Razor uh, so their other one to six. I looked at them side by side. Yeah. And I'm no optics expert by any stretch of the imagination, but you know, the NRA shows are really huge open area indoors. And I picked up, uh, the scope and I looked through both of them at a specific target that was about halfway across the floor. Um, I probably, uh, what, 150, 200 yards away, something like that. And at six power, I could not tell a difference between the glass. Now, the big thing, there was a little bit of difference in eye relief. And there's, what's it called, read around the outside of a scope, the wrist scope ring that you see when you're looking through the scope, like the actual outside of the scope itself. Talk about the tube? Yeah. Or are you talking so about the yeah, aperture? I guess it, it's the tube, I guess, or whatever. You know, you see the actual scope itself. When you get it, when you hit just the right, um, high relief, you can still see the, the tube itself around the outside. Um, that's a noticeable black ring. When you're at 1x and you got both eyes open, you see a black ring, uh, with the Strike Eagle. But with the, um, with the Razor, it's almost non-existent. It's such a thin ring. But, you know, you're going from a $330 scope to a $1,300 scope. So it's a huge difference, obviously. And I'm sure there's plenty of other differences that, you know, a scope expert could tell us about, but it, it seems like a great optic too. Well, I'm kind of excited for it to come out. And you know what? I've had nothing but great things, uh, in terms of experiences with mine. Well, I wanted to touch on something that is probably a little trivial for many of you, but for some of you it won't be. So I have, um, I have an old, cheap skate, you know, bottom of the barrel gun safe because my objective was to have something to secure my firearms. I wasn't concerned about whether or not a burning house would, um, take them out. I wasn't concerned about how long my gun safe would last, you know, heating everything up in the internals to 25. I wasn't concerned about that. I just wanted walls of steel and tumblers and a big thick door. And I got it for like 400 bucks. And, you know, wow, cool. But, you know, because of that, it doesn't really have a great deal of outstanding, um, sculpted, carpeted, you know, protected internals that keep my rifles. Oh, come on. You, you have the, you have the, the lights inside and, and the automatic, uh, what is, um, humidity controls and everything, don't you read? Nope. This is my safe light. This All is right. what I use to get in there and see. But everything, you know, up until I found this product at Brownells was just leaning against the wall of the safe. So, um, this is a plastic rod. It inserts into the barrel of your rifles. It has uh, a little bit of Velcro attached to the end of the button here at the top of the rod, and that Velcro attaches to a uh, stretching or a piece of uh, uh, the hook or the loop, whatever it is. The, it's a loop panel that you just staple to the bottom of your uh, shelving, 
And I'm telling you now, all of my rifles are no longer just, you know, clumped up against each other in the corner like they've been, you know, cast off by some ne'er-do-well firearms owner. Nope, they all stand up in, in a row and nothing's touching anything else and there's no more chance of my ARs, you know, digging into my, you know, wonderful Remington rifles and, you know, I, I'm just really pleased with it. And, and it was just such a very simple piece of fix and, uh, you can buy separate, um, rods in a little uh, six pack kit. Um, or you can buy the 10 pack of rods with the, uh, the fabric, uh, panel to staple to the bottom of a shelf so that they, uh, do their job. And you know what? I mean, it's probably as simple a solution as you can find, but it is, it is the bomb. It's an awesome solution. I like it. So, um, hey, it sounds, it sounds pretty good. The way you're talking about it reminds me, it brings this image into my head and I'm sorry, y'all. I just can't help it. It brings this image into my head. Re talking about, you know, his rifles not touching each other. How about, have you taped one of these like to the back of your kid while they're in, your kids while they're in the car? Cause you said they're not touching each other. So, you know, there's no, you're touching me, you're touching me. Don't touch me, don't touch me stuff, you know. Yeah. In order for Art. my children to not be touching, touching each other in the car, I'd have to have three cars. <laughs> I mean, okay. I have a, a, a nine year old, uh, who has, you know, nine year old space issues and then, I have a four-year-old that doesn't understand what it means to not get into another space. So there is right. constant chaos. But, you know. That's awesome. It's good. So chaos. the product will not work for your children, but it will work for your guns. <laughs> yeah, pretty much that's it. But, um, you know, really I think when it comes down to um, sometimes it's the simplest solution that provides the best solution. So rather than having to go get a new gun safe, I just bought a, I think it's a $30, $40 set of rifle rods. Um, and we'll put a link in the show notes, but, uh, Brown Alice calls it rifle rods 10 pack includes loop fabric. So it's a, <laughs> it's not even a well branded product, but it really does solve a problem. Very cool. Um, so Reed, I think it's about time. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's about time for us to take a quick break to uh, hear about uh, the new Huckleberry patch that's coming out, huh? Absolutely. All right. So what do you guys think? Go check it out. Absolutely. Well, listen, you have uh, been handling a new uh, primary weapon system enhanced buffer tube and a Daniel Defense collapsible buttstock. I think yes. uh, one, uh, I don't know if you had a chance to look at the enhanced buffer tube while you're at uh, the NRA show. But I know that Daniel Defense's uh, uh, furniture really kind of caught your eye. So uh, why don't you tell us about all of these? Well, uh, PWS sent us the um, enhanced buffer tube, full disclosure there, and I got a chance to put that on my gun. And I'm going to tell you, I learned something right away that I did not know about buffer tubes, and I'm sure that most of you guys probably already know that, but um, there are plenty of people out there like me that, that have never actually replaced a buffer tube. There are two kinds, two shapes, at least two. Um, one is mil-spec, and it's round. And the other one, what's, do you know what's the name for that one, Reed? Just standard commercial? Commercial. Okay, so it, it's a commercial spec, and it's not round. So, yeah, I didn't know there were two kinds. So 
I thought, you know, I don't want to take the time to change a buffer tube right now. I want to, because both the parts got here about the same time. And I, I bought the Daniel Defense uh, collapsible buttstock myself, by the way. Uh, and as I, I thought, I'm going to try out this, this buttstock. And I pulled it out of the box and I went to put it on my rifle, which has the standard commercial, Bushmaster commercial um, tube on there. And I realized that it wouldn't have worked. Anyway, wow. That's that's rather interesting. So that's just another little, another little point for you guys to know about. There are two different kinds, at least two different kinds of shapes of buffer tubes, and it, it does affect um, what kind of uh, stock you get when you're looking at your buttstocks. Now, aside from that, when I did go ahead just a little while later and decide I'm going to take the time to put on the PWS enhanced buffer tube, um, what I can say about that installation experience was springs, 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 springs. Um, yeah, I, uh, took the end off my thumb, <laughs> uh, taking out, and I did it right three times, and then I lost the, one of the detent springs for the, the rear takedown pin, and I had it, that thing shot across the room, I don't know how many times, and I, I always thought you guys were just picking on Jake, I swear. I know I mentioned this once or twice before on the show, but it was, um, it was an experience, um, and then one of the spring, what is it, what is the spring called that sits in front of the buffer tube? I mean, it sits in front of the buffer tube spring, buffer spring right there that holds that little part up. I think it's the, the spring inside. Buffer detent spring and the buffer uh, detent. Yeah. So it's that spring underneath there. Um, that's what actually got me uh, about the same time because I was I was trying to hold that down with my thumb, and I don't have any thumbnails, y'all. I'm a typical guy. And that moved, and it popped, and it shot straight out. It hit my thumb, hit me in the face on the nose, and then hit the bill of my cap and went forward into the kitchen and yeah, <laughs> it was fun. Well, and I had, to- I'm very distressed that now we've changed our whole intro and will no longer have the ability to incorporate things like that. into. Yes. So you have made the cut, you have beat the time limit and you're not going to be immortalized in humiliation. Yeah. So, but it, when I went to actually, again, the, the biggest thing for me when I went to the installation experience was just knowing some of those little gotchas. And I talked about those in a previous episode, so I won't go into all the details now. Um, but the, the, uh, PWS tube, when I went to put it back on, um, I, I really liked the way it went on. Uh, it did not have, what is it? The castle nut? Yeah, no. Is that what it's called? It really? doesn't have a castle nut. That's right. Yeah. So it doesn't have a castle nut. So the actual installation was really, really simple. Um, I really, really appreciated the, the engineering design behind that the look and feel of it i mean even the look of it was was a really a high quality look and the feel of it as it went on was really really nice and it's a really lightweight product as well so it um was lighter weight than my standard uh, buffer tube that was on there and was really kind of a sleek and slim kind of thing uh so i, I really uh, appreciated that and my existing spring went back in there without any pro- without any trouble and i haven't had any issues I didn't think it would probably affect the way my rifle um, shot the uh, the Tula ammo, and it, it didn't. It still doesn't feed properly. So I'm eventually I'm going to uh, change out my buffer spring, and now I know how to do that without taking the whole rifle apart. But um, <laughs> hey, hey, it's an adventure, you know. I've taken apart my trigger group. I've taken my uh, front sight off. Uh, taken now. I've taken all you know the back. I'm almost ready to build, you know. It's just the barrel part worries me. I'm going to have to get over my, my fear of the barrel. 
Uh, I've messed with all the uh, stuff inside the grip and everything. So, yeah, I've messed with a, a, quite a bit of the rifle at this point. Um, the reason I picked, uh, I've talked about it before, uh, the dangle on the fence collapsible buttstock. The reason I picked that was while I was in NRA, I knew I didn't like the stock that was on my rifle, just the standard mil-spec stock. I didn't care for it very much. Um, it felt very narrow to me um, and which was, was not comfortable to get a cheek weld on, really. And honestly, I, I kind of blamed that stock as well as some of the other things I've talked about, cheap $30 red dot, for me not being able to hit anything. Um, so when I, I, I uh, was at NRA, of course, my first place that I stopped was over at Magpul, and they have some unbelievably great stocks. And I looked at those, and I picked one out, and that's what I was going to get. I can't remember which one it was now. And when I uh, got over to the Daniel Defense booth, I didn't even know they made furniture, well, to be a, honest. That's a relatively new thing within the last yeah, it's uh, fairly new for them. quarters, I think. Yeah. So I thought, well, what is this? That looks really cool. And I picked up the rifle, laid it against my shoulder, put my cheek on it, and within five seconds, that's it. Decision changed. I'm buying this. And I mean, it was that fast. Uh, it has a nice rubberized top on it. The shape is is wide, uh, very similar to the the Magpul. It's it's a wider one than Magpul one was as well. But there's something about the angle that this is on and that rubberized feel that's on the top of it that I just really really dig. Um, I like the mechanism. It's a little bit different kind of a mechanism for for moving it. It it has a really good positive uh, click whenever it moves into place. And and there's with that PWS enhanced buffer tube there, there was there's basically zero uh, movement from it. Where before I was used to the little rattle. Right. From my um from my stock before so, uh and I do give both of those pieces both the tube and the um the stock since I had to have the tube in order to put the stock on there as well, I'll give those a lot of credit for some improvement in my shooting to be honest because now I have a comfortable cheek weld that I don't have a problem repeating every time and I know that repetition is part of the, of the key to um good shooting consistency that's that's built into that. Well, hey, did you think that there was any snagging on your clothing? From the, the rubber kind of like catching on your shirt as you're bringing up your rifle. I have heard people talk about that and I have not experienced that to be honest. Now it's, um, that the back end is rubberized as well. And, right. and I've heard people talk about that, but, and I thought that might be an issue for me, but I have not experienced that. And, you know, that's again, using it running at full speed through three gun matches and, and whatnot. So I've been really, really happy with it. Oh, on one other note. I want to say this about Daniel Defense. Um, their customer service is top notch. Uh, and again, they don't know who I am when I'm ordering this stuff. So they don't have a clue. Uh, I ordered the, the stock. It came in the wrong color. I'd ordered the tornado color and it came in uh, the, uh, the mill spec color or whatever it is that they've got there. Uh, and at first I was like, oh, I'm just going to keep it. I thought, no, you know, this is a good opportunity to, to really see what this company is made of. Um, I, I have, Really enjoyed talking to all the Daniel Defense personnel. I know your interview uh, with their CEO was unbelievably amazing. So I know they've got great quality stuff there. The discussions that I had with them at NRA were really good. Um, I've been proud of them for their sponsorship of, of um, the uh, the rifle project that they're doing with the NRA. And I thought, I'm going to see if that extends all the way into their customer service. And it does. Uh, I emailed and said, hey, I think I, I, this is what I show on my receipt um, that I ordered this color, but... Uh, the wrong color came in, and I think it was either one day or two days later I had the correct one in along with a return shipping label and a nice little Daniel Defense hat. There you so go. So to say, to say uh, we apologize. So that was awesome, man. 
It really was. It was a perfect customer service experience. They emailed me back within, I think it was like two hours with the information. And then I got a tracking uh, number for the shipment to me. It's the same day that I asked for the replacement. So I was very impressed with that. And again, this is not them catering because, you know, we're a podcast and because they had no idea who I was. Yeah. Um, and it was awesome. Despite the misconception of our listeners, we're relatively unknown in the great exactly. wide world of firearms. But that's all right. Bingo. We enjoy our anonymity. Yes, don't want to be famous. <laughs> um, you know, I think that that kind of gives me an opportunity to talk about a couple of the products that Brownell sent over. You know, we, yeah. uh, we received a, uh, a buttstock from Brownells that is manufactured by Bravo Company Manufacturing. We received, um, a Magpul, was the CTR, uh, the, nice. yeah, it's the new swim line. We got an ACS L for the swim line and, here, Anthony, do something interesting while I turn around and dig in a box. All right, so Reed's going to go and and look for his stuff. Should we describe the background we see of what's back there behind Reed? We talked about it last week a little bit. Is that a? <laughs> no, <it's, laughs> I'm making uh, come back to the microphone. The other one is an MOE uh, slimline stock. Very cool. And you know, I've I've installed all three. Um, the Magpul lives up to the Magpul design sensibility. Um, but you know, there really is some thought put into the swim line, the, the ACS, um, light and the, uh, um, MOE SL. And, you know, Bravo Company's stock, it has some features that I, I really do like. Now I'm going to tell you that the one thing that threw me off is the BCM stock. I have to get a tool in order to install it. Huh. I had to go get a um, punch that I used to uh, grab a hold of an assembly so that I could lift that uh, positioning pin up and out of the way to slide the stock on. Now, huh. with the Magpul... With the standard stocks that I've used in the past, I mean, even the straightforward stock, it's just a matter of actuating whatever device is there to pull that pin out of the way, and then it slides right on. But to actually take that step of having to get a punch small enough to go through the holes right. to catch that pin and lift it up just kind of struck me as strange. And maybe to me, it's the idea that, well, if I did something to this indestructible piece of plastic, which, you know, that's why they call us Marines. If you absolutely positively want it destroyed overnight, call the U.S. Marines. Call the Marines. Exactly. But, you know, for me, I'm thinking, well, geez, I want to be able to just whip it off and throw another one on. So that kind of struck me. But, you know, then, you know, realistically... It's not that likely you're going to face a situation where you need to remove the stock. So I don't know that it's fair to penalize them. I don't even think it's really a criticism. I think what it is is kind of that entrenched, um, this is the way we've all done it thing. And, you know, for a, a network that tries to really get people to think outside of the box and not do it the way 
they've all done it. For me to sit back and say, oh, well, but they didn't do it the way that we've always done it makes me kind of feel bad for myself. So, you know, it is it is different, and I don't think it's a bad thing, but I do think that it is something that I had to scratch my head for a moment and realize I'm going to have to go find the directions in order to install my new stock. So I thought that was strange. But, um, you know, really, uh, I think that they all do a really good job. Um, and, you know, at the end of the day, uh, outside of any unique characteristics, um, is it light enough? Is it going to give you the special doohickey that you need? You know, I think a stock really comes down to a few very simple elements. Is it a solid foundation? Can you get a repeatable uh, position on it? Um, and, you know, is it going to meet the need that you have? And these all do it. And I really do think that uh, it's nice to see people, even at this stage in the rifle's history, coming out with new ways to skin the cat. So That's awesome. We're going to get some time on the range and see if there's anything more we can add to it, but I'm I'm really kind of uh, thrilled with what I've got so far. So I will let you all know. Pretty cool, Reed. Now, you know, it was Father's Day recently. And, yes, it and, was. You know, my children um, got me a Father's Day present. I understand your children got you a stroller. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> but um, I got some uh, Dylan uh, uh, Dylan dies for my uh Dylan five fifty and uh very cool three hundred blackout. So I am gonna be setting up my uh Dylan press. Um I actually scored like the Uber mother load of awesome scores at my local gun store. And uh what's that? I nabbed five pounds of sixteen eighty, accurate sixteen eighty, which is like the de facto king of uh, 300 blackout subsonic loads uh, powders. And so... Cool. I mean, the, it was it was really remarkable. I walked in, and, you know, it was my routine stroll because they have great prices on 22. They'll get them in the bulk packs. They don't, you know, really oh, be screw quiet. with you. I've sent you, you and your 22. I, I've sent yes. you screenshots of, of what I've gotten. It's, it's awesome. Yes. But you know, I, I've gotten bullets there, some of my Dylan stuff I've gotten there. And I walked in and I walked past the counter and there is a pound, an unattended pound of 1680 just sitting on the counter. Ooh. And I'm like, uh, whoa, back the truck up. So I flagged somebody down, and I'm like, uh, that looks like 1680. He says, why, yes, it is. I says, how much more do you have? Now, I will tell you that I was not greedy. I won't say I wasn't opportunistic. Mm, there you go. But I could have bought, I think, uh, about five times more than I did. And I wow. didn't. I, I left it there. I knew that some other person would want some of that. And I cannot attest to whether or not the next guy uh, was quite as generous. But I only got five. And so, um, yeah. You're so nice, Reed. I'm not nice. I told you I was, I was opportunistic. I took advantage of the opportunity. I got five pounds. 
I mean, you realize I'm going to have to save up to buy enough projectiles to load five pounds worth. Five pounds. That's a lot. Yeah. 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 That's a lot, but I would not change it anyway. So yeah, my local gun store got some, uh, 1680, I got some uh, 300 blackout dies, and uh, I'm going to be spending some time this week and loading a little 300 blackout, a little 300 blackout madness. So, nice. Really excited about that. And have you ever, how far, Anthony, have you gotten into this addiction we call the firearms sport? Have you gotten a reloading press yet? No. 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 Is that is that no. something that kind of beckons to you? It does. You know, it, I save all my brass. Yep, yep, yep. You're headed that direction. Mm-hmm. Yep. I have a uh, several hundred, if not even maybe a thousand, fifteen hundred rounds of two, two, three, five, five, six saved up. It's not sorted, but I figure I can do that when mm-hmm. it comes time. Yep. Yeah. This, dear listeners, is the beginning. Of an addiction. <laughs> Probably. Yeah, spoken from one who's on the other side of that. But that's fun. <laughs> no, it's good. I mean, it's yeah. better than crack cocaine any day. I'm just saying. <clears throat> but, you know, I'm telling you, the Dylan, you know, I started out with a rock chucker. I thought I'd be a purist. I thought I'd go into it, you know, one at a time, you know, die at a time, little batches. But honestly, since getting the 550, I'm thinking, hmm, that was a little naive of me. Huh. So I'm going to save my six to my, uh, my, uh, rock checker for, for my precision stuff, for the things that I'll hand weigh and, you know, hand measure and, you know, do the little bit at a time on. But I'm telling you, the right. 550 is an awesome press. And, and I got, very cool. I got lucky. You know, one of our, uh, Esteemed, uh, network, uh, staff, uh, ran into a combo deal. I think somebody's wife was getting rid of her ex-husband's, uh, reloading equipment and it was, uh, on sale for very cheap. He wanted the wow. single stage and he already had himself a Dylan. So he, uh, called me up and said, Hey, I've got a press. Are you interested? <laughs> awesome. Yep. Like, uh, yeah. Like a duck on a June bug. So yeah. But, uh, yeah, so that's what, uh, that's what the weekend holds for me. A little 300 blackout reloading and, uh, getting my die set up. And now I've, I, I will tell you that, uh, in going through the, uh, Lone Wolf Distributors, uh, R&D project that they, uh, uh, graciously, uh, offered to me, I, I did reload a, a good healthy number of those projectiles on that very same Dylan press. Oh, cool. So I, uh, I put a, I put a thousand rounds through that. I loaded a thousand rounds through that press. And, wow. uh, you know, I'm telling you, I don't know that I have the stamina for another one of those, you know, sequences again, but it was, it was really, really easy to load a thousand rounds because I mean, literally I set it up and I'd get in and I would do like a hundred at a time. I think in one weekend I did like 400, um, uh, a night or two at a couple hundred and then a hundred a night. And literally you could do a hundred in like 30, 45 minutes. Really? Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, cause you're <laughs> just insert a piece of brass on one side, a projectile on the other, keep 
you know, rotating the, um, the plate and boom, it just throws out projectiles all night long. So very cool. It's a lot of fun. But I'm telling you, the reloading is almost as expensive a hobby as buying firearms. Yeah. Yep. I have several purchases in that realm um, that I want to make at some point in the not-too-distant future, maybe. Uh, things will work out. We'll just have to wait and see. Um, but uh, So the reloading is going to have to wait a little bit. I've Was it a, something on the short horizon or the distant horizon? Uh, honestly, I just do not know at this point. I'm hoping to get... Um, uh, all the parts for a rifle build because I've got the the lower that I bought at Christmas when Brownells had them on sale for fifty bucks from Bushmaster. So I have a, a Bushmaster lower, strip lower, and uh, I'm not exactly sure what I want to do with that. If I want to try to build a you know an AR for specifically for three gun, or I, what I'm probably going to do is like either a three hundred blackout or or something like that. I think is probably what I'll do with it because my existing AR, yeah, it's a carbine. It's only sixteen and a half inch barrel, but I did fine, you know? Mm-hmm. How often am I going to shoot out past two, 300 yards? Probably not that often. If I can hit my very first time out, I'm, I'm, I'm fine with my rifle. It's accurate. It was me that was screwing up. Surprise, yeah, but, surprise. you know, you say that, and if you start doing three-gun competitions, then chances are you'll be doing three, two, 300 yards every time you compete. Yep. So. My rifle can do it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's a question of whether or not I can. <laughs> well, there you go. Yeah. Well, listen, um, I guess uh, it's time for our weekly Otis Technology drawing. So I want to let the guys know that um, we are dealing with some family uh, stuff here, um, uh, health issues uh, in the ancillary family. We're a little uh, delayed by some things that are going on. Um, we're shipping out. The second batch of winner's products. So I will be including, uh, everything that's come down the pike, uh, since the last shipment. Um, very cool. And just want to ask your grace and remind you that, um, this is not as, uh, well oiled a machine as it may seem from the other side. Uh, we're just workaday guys and we just, Love sitting here and bothering you guys with everything we've got to say for an hour or so every, uh, every time we do a show, but, um, we'll get them out to you. Have some patience and, and bear with us. So, uh, why don't you tell the fine folks out there what's going on, uh, with today's winner then? You gotcha. So as, uh, you guys, hopefully, if you've been listening to us at all, um, for the last few months, you know that uh, Otis Technology has sent over a mountain of rifle maintenance tools and cleaning kits for both the AR-15 and the AR-10. We've been tasked with giving them all away to you folks, our listeners. Watch for the special posts over on Facebook and over on Instagram to get a chance to win some of the awesome products made by Otis Technology. We'll be giving away a complete MSR cleaning kit in either 5.56 or 7.62 in the middle of each month and all the way up until Christmas. So remember that only is given away once a month. Um, at the end of the year, around Christmas, we're going to give away a complete Otis Technology Elite cleaning system to one lucky listener. So make sure you enter uh, when that gets ready. During all the alternating weeks when we're not giving away the cleaning kit, we're going to give away a host of other different Otis tools and cleaning supplies. So for this week, the week ending June 22nd, our winner is Daniel McElwain. So congrats to Daniel. Now, wait a minute. Is it 22nd or 21st? 
21st. You're right. Sorry, Reed. <laughs> That's all right. <laughs> Fix that. The week ending the 21st is Daniel McElwain. Well, that being so, the case. And we do have a post currently up this week. You guys go like and share. You have to share as well on Facebook. So head over to facebook.com forward slash podcast, Like our page. And you'll see the post at the top of the page for the current week. And like and share that post. Well, so it's been a light feedback week. And, of course, I guess that makes it all all right. Since, um, basically, um, we've really kind of talked everybody's ear off tonight. So why don't yeah. we uh, just kind of delve into this real quick and then we can move on. We got a piece of feedback from Sean S. over on our Facebook page. And Sean writes in and asks, any advice on a kit to buy to build his first AR? And he said he was looking at a kit from Palmetto State Army PSA. He believes it includes everything but a lower receiver, but not sure of the quality. So I guess that would probably be a lower parts kit, I would assume, Reed, right? No. Um, I think I would like to. Actually, he's talking about a complete rifle kit. Well, he said he was looking at a kit from um, PSA that includes everything but the lower receiver. That would be a complete rifle kit except for the lower. Okay. Mm -hmm. Cool. He's not sure about the quality. Um, he said, I think I would like to build something as opposed to buying a complete lower, a lowering gun, so learn what he can. Uh, and if I outgrow his quality, well, the kids can always use it to plink with. Thanks for the advice. So appreciate that feedback, Sean. Um, I haven't looked at kits extensively, Reed. Uh, what's uh, your knowledge of those? Well, I, I think the philosophy behind it is this. You have a kit to build an AR to whatever requirements you have. So they have like the tactical kit that has quad rails, mil spec kit that, you know, has your standard, you know, handguard and buttstock. You know, you can get a different flavor of kit depending on who your vendor is. But it's an all inclusive, everything you need for your rifle to work from day one except the one piece controlled by an FFL transfer. So you buy a lower receiver. And you buy a kit. And with the two, you have a complete build. I think it's a great starting point. Wow. And 419? Uh-huh. And think about it. If it's 419, let's say you're out there with a blemished lower, 50 bucks. What did we see? Yeah. Was it Bushmaster lowers for 50 bucks from those, Brown Elks? Those weren't even blemished. Those were... Right. Uh, yeah. That's $459 plus an FFL transfer fee and maybe some tax or shipping depending on vendor where you are. bucks or less. Yeah. I think it's a great, great option. And you know, here's the thing that I think that you figure out after you jump with both feet in on building a rifle. The first time you build one, you may not have bought all the pieces. You may be sitting there a piece short here, a piece short there, you know, then you're going back to your your retailer or your internet retailer and you're ordering that missing piece. You've had to pay, you know, shipping again from right. the first bundle that you, you know, I would hazard to guess that the first rifle I put together, I ended up going back to the internet three times, <laughs> three different orders to, you know, get the pieces I want. Because, oh, I forgot this, or I misjudged that. So having a kit's great, because someone says, here's everything. There is yep. nothing for you to forget. You buy this, it's everything. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if you buy a branded kit, you've got someone who's going to be there as support. They may not build it, they may not tell you how to build it. 
But if it shows up with a broken spring or a busted this or a, you know, bent that, they're going to replace it. Right. So I think that's a good thing to start with. And I've always heard good stuff about uh, PSA. Haven't yeah, you? Absolutely. And, you know, I've got a number of their products. And I'll tell you, I'll tell you. Um, my understanding is that PSA is the largest um, commercial reseller of FN barrels. So wow. their barrels on that $419 kit is an FN barrel. So that is excellent quality. Now, cool. you know, Palmetto State doesn't hold itself out as being a mega arms. They're not a, you know, Rolls Royce or Bentley of firearms. But what they are is everything you need at a good quality for a reasonable price. Mm-hmm. And you know what? I don't think that you can go wrong starting from that place. You know, sometimes just exactly the way it was originally designed isn't a bad thing. So yep. in terms of finish, in terms of features, in terms of what the rifle can do, I think any PSA kit's going to deliver exactly what you would expect and for a reasonable price. So Very cool. I've got a lot of respect for what they do, and, you know, I would recommend anybody go there and buy something. So, Sean, I hope that helps. And so I think that's about it. That wraps up our show, huh? I think Anything it is. Anything else? Yeah. Not for today's agenda. Well, I didn't think you had it in you. I'm your Huckleberry. Why, Johnny Ringo, you look like somebody just walked over your grave. Fight's not with you, Holiday. I beg to differ, sir. We started a game we never got to finish. (coughs) Play for blood, remember? I was just fooling about. I wasn't. Say when. Show Johnny Ringo who's boss with Patriot Patch Company's Huckleberry Patch. A must-have for any range pack. Pre-order yours today at PatriotPatch.co. Yeah, so hopefully we gave you guys some uh, interesting information for the show. But if not, if you have any questions or comments, as always, you can send those to feedback at ar15podcast.com. You can also send us a recorded voicemail by using the SpeakPipe plugin on the right-hand side of the AR-15 Podcast website. Subscribe and listen to the AR-15 Podcast for free in iTunes or on Stitcher, and leave us a review so that the show can be placed higher in the searches for potential listeners. Share your pictures with us over on Instagram at AR-15 Podcast and tag your pictures with the hashtag pound sign or hashtag AR15Podcast. You can also check us out over at Periscope at AR15 Podcast. And on occasion, when we have new events, things like that, we may do some live videos. You can watch us live. As we, uh, maybe I want to run through three gun, I'll, uh, broadcast over Periscope or just have some casual conversations about ARs with us. You can follow us over on Google Plus as well and watch us live on occasion when we record. Find us over there by searching AR15 Podcast or AR15 Podcast over at Google. You can check out our YouTube page, youtube.com forward slash C forward slash AR15 podcast. Facebook, as we mentioned before, facebook.com forward slash AR15 podcast. And all the other great podcasts on the Firearms Radio Network can be found at firearmsradio.tv. And there are quite a few. I think, uh, we did, we mentioned last week that Ryan Mashad got mentioned by, um, Hickok45. We did. We did. We were, yeah, that's we're, awesome. We're very proud of Ryan. You know, he, yes. he puts on a great show. I really enjoy it. 
Yeah, so if you guys are interested in handguns, check out Handgun Radio, Gun Guy Radio, um, all different kinds of wonderful shows over there on FRN, firearmsradio.tv. And don't forget, if you're looking for parts, uh, Reed talked about some of the new furniture that uh, is out there. Don't forget to use our Brownells affiliate link if you're going to use Brownells for all of your AR-15 parts. So in order to do that, go to ar15podcast.com forward slash parts. You'll get directed over to the Brownells website, and we get a very small piece of that transaction, which helps us make sure the servers stay running. For everything else, go over to Amazon and use our Amazon affiliate link before you do, farmsradio.tv forward slash Amazon, and that will direct you over to Amazon. And again, we get a very small, teeny tiny piece of that pie. It doesn't cost you one little bit. Well, guys, listeners, thanks for joining us. I know it was kind of a little late for us. We're both a little bit bleary-eyed and yawny. It's not our usual recording day, but um, we hope that we have uh, given you just a taste of what you always tune in to find here on the network and here on the show. But um, if not, we do love hearing from you. So, everybody, have a great week. Thank you very much. Good night. Are you looking for an extraordinary daily carry option? Look no further. Car Arms is giving away a P9 with night sights right here on the Firearms Radio Network. It's Car's EDC drawing. To enter, simply become a Patreon of any Firearms Radio Network show. Current patrons are automatically entered. But wait, there's more. Key bar, hellbent holsters, alien gear holsters, Precision Ear, and more have ponied up to enhance your EDC loadout. See all of these awesome prizes and more ways to enter at firearmsradio.tv slash EDC. This has been a production of the Firearms Radio Network. You can find more information at firearmsradio.tv. 